Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks so much for joining me again this week. My motivational quote for today is by D.H. Lawrence, and it says, The human consciousness is really homogeneous. There is no complete forgetting, even in death. Have you ever considered human consciousness um, from a scientific perspective? Does matter exist outside of the mind with no rationale or direction? The universe created completely by chance? How do science and philosophy work together to explain the universe, how it, how it works, and how it was created? Do you even understand anything that I'm saying? My guest today, Philip Camella, is a lawyer, visionary futurist and host of his own radio show, Conversations Beyond Science and Religion, on webtalkradio.net. His book, The Collapse of Materialism, Visions of Science, Dreams, God, is a culmination of decades of work developing a new incredible scientific paradigm to unify the physical world of science with the metaphysics of religion. Look to the skies as you listen and ponder Philip's ideas about visions of science, dreams, and God. Um, Philip, welcome, and thank you so much for being on the show. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. Hey, Connie, thanks a lot for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, so see, we're we're sister and brother on the Web Talk yeah. Uh, radio. <laughs> yeah, still love the cool, right? yeah. yeah, it's all good. So I want to jump in, and, you know, we were just uh, chatting before we, we started the show, and this really is a concept outside of my wheelhouse. So I'm excited about that because I love to learn new ideas and it just broadens our whole perspective of how we look at things. So let's start with the most simple question of what is materialism? Okay, so materialism, an, uh, another way to look at it would be the Big Bang worldview, a worldview in which matter is the ultimate reality, where matter comes first where matter controls who we are and what we do and limits who we can be. If you look at the Big Bang Theory, it's, it's premised upon the idea that a ball, a little ball or pinhead of matter exploded for no reason, and out of this explosion came the entire universe, including human consciousness. So materialism also, it's important, is also the world without purpose without direction and without goals because matter in and of itself has no purpose, no morality, uh, no design. And, and so it's interesting that today we live in a materialistic worldview, but probably most people don't know it because we've taken it for granted. And when, it, and when you subject it to questioning, in my opinion, it collapses. And it's time for us to subject this materialistic worldview to questioning. Many people have done it, have tried to do it, and are still doing it. And I think that time has come to evolve beyond it and try to look at the world in a different light. And do you think because, you know, we're out there in the media, you know, I talk a lot about it on, on this show, you know, the whole enlightenment and the whole shift of of how we think and how we're all connected to the universe, universe, source, God, whatever you call it. Do you think that's part of, or am I understanding it, that it's part of what you're talking about with this collapse 
of materialism. Did I understand that? Right, right, exactly, exactly. I mean, what what is missing from our current culture is a framework to understand various phenomena, various events, things that we know or, or, or understand in our hearts to be true. For example, look at the popularity of the book Proof of Heaven. The book mm -hmm. is about a near-death experience of a neuroscientist, mm -hmm. and everyone loves the book. It seems to tell the truth, but he himself, in that book, Eben Alexander, talks about some other world beating spirits, how there's something else to the world. Then look at the popular Long Island medium. Very mm -hmm. similar. We, she's speaking to people that have passed away. The, the show has a charm to it. She's very entertaining. We want those things to be true. And we can go on and on and on about synchronicity, mind mm -hmm. over matter, uh, mm -hmm. meditation, all the New Age writers talking about connecting to the source, the law of attraction, the, the field, all the, the bond, all these concepts but what happens in our materialistic world, modern science looks askance at all of these things because these things, let's call them New Age ideas for, for the lack of a better description right now, these things do not fit within the materialistic paradigm. Uh, they, they are rejected by people, by the leading scientists such as Stephen Hawking, Richard Dawkins, uh, Lawrence Krauss, Lisa Randall. They all think that people who hold these beliefs are crazy because there's no scientific proof for them. And I'm saying that as the proof of these things build, as the evidence piles up in favor of paranormal, synchronicity, meditation, the placebo effects, another one, alternate healing, as the evidence builds up, it's time to find a new paradigm that makes logical sense of the evidence as opposed to rejecting the evidence because it doesn't fit the existing materialistic paradigm. Yeah, and, and The Proof of Heaven, I read that book, I, I loved it. And you know why I really liked the book? Because it, I felt it was founded in science. He was, he was almost denying after, you know, after he came out of it and, and started writing his visions and, and things he had gone through supposedly in his subconscious mind and you know going through the mud you know and then coming out and seeing his sister that he had never met and, and all of these pieces or mother who he had never met the he was a scientist so he kept drilling it back to his brain was not functioning and 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 at the end of the book he actually goes through the whole scientific proof of it so do, do you see well do you see more of those books coming to light and is that one of the reasons why you wrote your book yeah i mean first of all answer the last question first i wrote the book because i think it's undisputable that there's only one world there yeah. should be a, there should be a way to um reconcile religion science philosophy into one united worldview one way of looking at the world right now our worldview, the way we see things, is fractured. You go to a, one building to pray to God, you go to another building to practice science, and, and basically most people ignore philosophy. So, but we know there's one world, then why do we have this dichotomy, this, this separation? Now, now, one thing that Eben Alexander does, and I do in my book, and I try to do in my book, I should say, is to be logical, 
Look at the evidence and go where the evidence leads you without preconceptions. This is what science is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be the objective, unprejudiced, unbiased search for truth. What we see today in science is we see that scientists undertake the scientific method after assuming, after assuming that ultimate reality is matter. Now, there's other books on this topic, and I, uh, Rupert Sheldrake has a book called Science Set Free, which is, which is a very similar book. Uh, there's a book by Robert Lanza called Biocentrism that, uh, you know, this guy won an award for STEM research, and I think uh, Robert Lanza's book is a bestseller. But my book is in the same category. What I do differently is that I try to bring religion into the picture to show that if we stop assuming the independent material world, we see that a spiritual world rises up in its place. And this spiritual world is the same place where religions are born. And so I think, I, I, so that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Now it's radical, it's different, and maybe it's mind-opening, but my feeling is, is that uh, if it's right, if I'm close to the truth or getting there, uh, eventually that's where we're going to wind up. Okay. Yeah, and, and I, I'm curious because you, you're a lawyer by trade. I mean, that's really what you do for a living, correct? You're still correct. an active okay, yep. an active attorney. So here you have this very logical, think about it, your job as a lawyer is to look at the law and dissect it down to its, you know, drill it all the way down to to truth. So right. you're kind of, did okay, so I my perception is you're kind of doing the same thing now, did that help you as you were putting the outline together for the book, that skill of a lawyer to, you know, this whole religious science kaboom uh, book? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, you, that's, that's, you're right on point. That's exactly right. And the, you know, lawyers, um, we have to think logically. You have to have evidence to support what you're saying. Right. Uh, you, you can't make things up. But the other thing that really plays a part here is that if you're in a lawsuit and there's an expert on the other side, it doesn't I don't care if the expert has a Nobel Prize in physics or is the Pope himself. The lawyer is going to test the ideas of the expert using uh, logic and evidence. In other words, what is the basis of your opinion? And so the way I look at things, whether it is the Pope, whether it is a Nobel Prize winner, whether it's, I don't care if it's Albert Einstein or Isaac Newton, still, what are your ideas, what is the logical structure of your theories, and what is it based upon? Because if, science, if the theory is right and if science fulfills its purpose, then those ideas should withstand questioning. And so... The law, law has made me not only logical, but it's made me unafraid to question authority. See, because that's what we do as lawyers. We're always questioning authority, particularly if they disagree with our side of the story, which is, which is another part of, of practicing law. So, so that, it's been a big help. It's been a big help. Sometimes, um, I mean, my book has a lot of footnotes, and, uh, or, I'm sh or I should say endnotes, and that's another sign of what I'm doing and what I'm about because I don't like just saying things uh, or s 
saying things that I, I assume are true without support. So it also and uh, now in your in your law practice, obviously they know that you've written this book. I would assume they have to know you you've published this book. Do it it, it is a different perspective, right? So are did they look at you and heckle you, give you a hard time? You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no. Surprisingly, you see, uh, it's it's so divided. I mean, my my I, I like to tell people who accept this that I do live two lives I mean um, the people at work don't care what my what I do in my personal life um, and and the fact that I mean I was asked I had this conversation with the managing partner and I told him about the book and he said well he's you know as long as I wasn't advocating you know Nazism or some thing, <laughs> they didn't really care and frankly the book is is, an, is supposed to be an uplifting book I mean what I'm trying to do here is to is to justify hope and, and optimism for the future because if we get our worldview right then we'll finally have something to agree upon that's that's what the big i mean if, if the question is well what's the whole point the whole point is to is to unify uh the people is 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 unify people and give us a common goal that uh, that's deeper and stronger than our individual pursuits Put differently, if Muslims and Jews and Christians had something higher to agree upon than their individual interpretations of God, we would be getting somewhere. Same thing with Republicans and Democrats. I mean, without getting political here, but if they if there yeah. was agreement, well, let's let's make sure that the homeless are have have places to stay or that everyone's fed. Wouldn't that be great if we could actually that would be great, unify, yeah. you know unify to that goal, get that goal done? And then you could argue about everything else. So, so I'm about unifying uh, beliefs, setting a new tone, uh, improving where we're at. It's a it's a radically idealistic vision, but I but someone's got to do it. And and maybe I'm the crazy person in the room, but I don't really <laughs> care. I don't I don't really care because what because someone's got to do it. And I'm and this is what I'm about. So. Yeah, and you, you found your voice and, and, you know, experimented with it. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm curious, how did this all start for you? Like you just said, someone's got to do it. Maybe I'm the crazy man in the room. Why, though? Why, what was, was there a specific moment or a catalyst for you to say, this is really necessary and I need to put my efforts there? So just think about that as we take a quick break and then we come back. I'm, I'm curious. Sure. All right, awesome. Thanks. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. 
Okay, we are back, and we're speaking with Philip Camella, um, who's actually an attorney, and he wrote this awesome book, The Collapse of Materialism, where philosophy, science, and religion all kind of collide um, into one book. So what, what was the true catalyst for you to be the crazy man in the room and think, I'm pulling the trigger, I'm doing this? Well, uh, I think in my heart, I, I've always known and believe that there is one truth, there is one way to look at the world. Uh, I'm a, I was a philosophy major in college, and in my first year, I remember reading about quantum physics, Darwin, and, and George Berkeley, the idealist philosophers who believe mind comes before matter instead of matter before mind. And it just dawned on me that if you, that if you combine quantum physics, which basically says particles don't exist, the very material world that we honor um, and advocate doesn't really exist, because quantum theory says particles don't exist, uh, and if you accept that as true, and then you um, take the assumption or you take the view that mind comes before matter, all of a sudden you have a way to start unifying these disparate beliefs. And so I was inspired uh, by those thinkers uh, in my first year in college, but it was, I think I was fulfilling my heart's intent. Uh, so, so it's something that, and, and frankly, you know, you have this idea and it won't go away, and I frankly spent uh, my entire life uh, finding support for the, for the idea I had when I was 18 years old. Yeah, and that's your that's your legal mind at work. So you have this, you know, deep rooted belief, as you're saying, and then this this, you know, side of the brain that's drilled down, drilled down, drilled down, prove it, prove it, prove it. Um, what a great what a great story. I think that's that's awesome. And the other thing I'm laughing, I know you have a 17 year old. I have one in college and one right behind uh, your child, and you know, most of these kids go off to college and say, I don't know what I'm going to do. So yeah. here at the age of 18, you're looking into this very deep yeah. kind of... I know. It is, it is, it is quite the cross the bear. I mean, uh, but... Wow. But, you know, but I do, I, I have, I do believe in play hard, work hard. So don't get me wrong. I mean, the... No, I know, I know. So, but it is, it is pretty... Um, amazing. And, you know, you could read, and you've read so many, you know, you, I know that you... you uh, read a lot of motivational uh, books yes, and, and sayings and and there's so many self-help books out there you know follow your destiny your soul's desire you know everyone has a mission understand your true self i mean all these things are true and they apply to me uh this is this is who i am um and so it's 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 always good i think it's always healthy to listen to what your soul what your heart says you know, I, mean, I love that you said that because, you know, the show Architect of Change, right, is all about we really can change if you figure out what you want to do, then you have to come up with the steps to make that happen. And in order to do that, you have to change something, right? That's, that's my whole premise, I think, in life, how I live. So what you just said is from 18, you kind of knew your sole purpose. I bet at 18, you didn't think, oh, this is my sole purpose. This is what I'm going to do with my life. You know, it's that whole lifetime of learning, but that gnawing feeling of this is what, you know, you got to get the word out. You got to do it. Now you have 
you know, think about it. You're you're a man, you know, who's lived a, a life, you know, middle-aged man. You have credentials as an attorney, plus you have that skill of being an attorney to drill back and come up with the, the foundational support to communicate what your idea is. So it takes a lifetime to do that, but I think that's such a great comment to say but that's where you start so anybody listen everybody has a sole purpose you just have to figure out what yours is and listen to that gnawing in the back of your head or in your gut and it keeps coming back to that same thing or that same thought start investigating it do exactly what you did very cool story philip that that's just so cool so you were you were um a renaissance man at 18 you were ahead of your your <laughs> Yeah, I kept it for myself the best I could, by the way. But, but, I, can um, you know, I I went to a liberal arts college uh, called Beloit College, and it's uh-huh. known for turning out people who question authority, and it's it's known free it's known for free thinkers. So it was perfectly natural, and then, frankly, uh, once once you go down that path, I mean, once you open the door, open your mind, you can't close it again. I mean, that's another that's another truism. Yeah, it's, I, this is my truism. See, I'm, you know, Jersey girl. I always say, you can't, once you know something, you can't unknow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And people, and people that, and people that do regret it. I mean, how many stories? I mean, on my show, I've had all sorts of people who, you know, they, they, uh, were in a, a family of doctors. They went to medical school and it didn't work and they, and they started doing seances or something. I mean, they started, you start, or, 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 or psychiatry or something. I mean, yeah. you cannot, uh, sort of ignore that soul intent. Uh, and, uh, and if every, you do, you become very unhappy. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Now you said before that we, we are in, or, in a scientific revolution, right. you know, all these books that are coming out and how the argument of Big Bang versus this new age of thinking, again, your words, that new age. Why? Why do you think there's a revolution? Well, I think that we're heading, I think that's where things are heading. You know, there's a famous book called The Structure of Scientific Revolutions, which I'm sure you've heard of. And it, it was, mm-hmm. I think it was called, if not the most influential, one of the most influential books of the 20th century, and that's the book that invented the word paradigm. Mm-hmm. And that book, uh, the author Thomas Kuhn essentially said that over time, a, a scientific theory stops being able to account for physical events, for phenomena, for facts. And as those anomalies build up, there is a breaking point where a new theory rises up to account for the phenomena and i think we are very close to this point we are we we see more and more hardcore scientists sort of opening their minds to things like meditation to mm-hmm. the placebo effect uh we we see a little bit of of uh, attempts to reconcile quantum theory with the paranormal or psychic phenomena but if you, in my book, I cite a lot of these people, but if you start adding up all of the books, studies, evidence that is contrary to the Big Bang worldview or the materialistic worldview, it really is pretty amazing. And, it, and, and you know, Connie, what we have is we have a, a, a culture where people are so busy and so distracted 
by all the gadgets, by putting food on the table, by getting to the office, by by taking the kids to soccer practice, whatever it is, that we, we don't spend much time on the big issues. And so a lot what I'm about is it's take, the, take a time out. Spend a little bit of time dealing with the big questions and see if you get them answered. And in my book, The Collapse of Materialism, it, it's it's trying to it's it tries to be a one stop shopping. Just read this, think about it, sleep on it, look at some of the end notes, footnotes, and it's there's a decent chance that it will open your mind and start and and you may start looking at the world in a new light. And this could only be a good thing. It could only be a good thing uh, because uh, you know exposing yourself to new ideas, opening up possibilities, is really what 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 we're all about. Um, and I, I really think that we are close to that paradigm shift. Um, you know, I'd like to have, I'd, I'd like it to be within my lifetime, but I, I think it will. The only question is when. Um, and I, every t- everybody on my show on this topic, I ask them the question, when do you think this is going to happen? And everyone gives me their guess, 20 to 30 years. And then I quote the Max Planck who said, what I really think, which is, which is that science uh, progresses funeral by funeral, which sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you have to wait for a change of generation. You know? So, so maybe maybe that's the ultimate goal. But but uh, I'm about being credible, about being real, about uh, uh, looking at the evidence and trying to make sense of our world uh, in one piece. So. And I, and I think it's important to be credible and provide all of the that. Um, clear information because we do have so many naysayers. If you if you don't show me and you can't prove it, it doesn't exist, right? And then the other flip side is, well, I have faith. So and they were like, you're crazy. So I think that it's wonderful that you did create this book with all of this documented um, evidence. The other thing I'm laughing at, I wrote down you. You said no matter what happens, again, you can't unknow once you know something. We've gone through that door. And the, the scale, I was thinking the scales of justice. It was so funny. As you were saying, it's starting to tip. Just because you're a lawyer, that's what popped into my head, <laughs> that visual. Isn't that funny? But yeah. I'm seeing that the scale tip because there's more, all of these books and all of the this documented um, analysis of truth, of fact. You can't dispute the facts. So the good thing is, you know, and, and you said it when, at the onset, if, if we can unify people and have that common goal where we look at things deep, more deeply and, and more, with more strength, we will have less war. We won't have famine. You know, we won't have homeless people. And, yeah, that's, that's all really good stuff. The other thing that you said, and, and this I always go back to, and maybe you can call it faith. So I don't know, but the Big Bang Theory, I mean, I learned that in school. I understand the premise. But in my head, from what, even when I was a little kid learning it, I kept thinking, but why did that particle explode? Who put that particle there to explode to create the Big Bang? So is it, wasn't there something before that particle exploded? So that's that source, universe, God, whatever you want to call it, whatever works for you. So... Yeah, I'm a believer, and you're, you know, you're making very clear sense to me. I hope other people, you know, it's resonating where they're like, hmm, that's an interesting way to look at it, and I do hope they go out and buy your book so that it even become, will provide even more clarity for them. So you ask people when they think it's going to change, and I like that answer, funerals. You know, we have to get rid of the old way of thinking so that new, new thoughts can prevail. 
Right. Do you think do you think that humans can change? Well, I think that it's it's not ne- it's going to be necessary for our survival. Yeah. I mean, that's one way to look at it. I mean, we have uh, uh, one way of evolution. I mean, Darwinian evolution uh, dominates science, it dominates biology, but there is also another evolution, which others have written about, which, which including me, which is called the evolution of consciousness, evolution of mind, or mm-hmm. evolution of mm-hmm. maturity. We have, to, we have to change our internal outlook. We have to evolve and rise above these, this dogma, these things that have been handed to us over generations without questioning. And so if we want to survive, um, we're going to have to change our outlook. And, and you could, I could use the crudest or the most concrete example, which is that it's possible that if we follow the materialistic technological uh, outlook to its logical conclusion, we're going to blow up the world. We're going yeah. to get to a point where the wrong people have the wrong weapons and trigger a war. And everyone talks about it. We fear it. It's real. It's always in the back of our mind. Well, that that is a consequence of a world that separates us from each other. That's the world of materialism. I'm saying that we're united at our soul. We're actually the same being. We're, we're part of the same vision. And we need to realize that, we, and we need to rank that up there with the law of gravity. When we start doing that, then all of a sudden we have a way to put things together. Yes, again, idealistic, but isn't it? It wouldn't be great if it, if it was also true. And that's wow. That's, oh, so, yeah, very powerful. And it, again, you just had. I'm a visual kind of thinker and learner. Um, I read uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer's Wishes Fulfilled book, and here there's a, a section or a passage where he writes, "When you look at the ocean." Do you say that's ocean water? And the answer is, of course, right? Any of the water in there is ocean water, no matter whether you're on the Pacific, Atlantic coast, doesn't matter. If you take a child's pail and you put it in and you lift a bucket of the water right out of the ocean, what's in that bucket? It's ocean water, correct? Because <laughs> you just pulled it out of the ocean. Right. And he says, that's, that's who we are. Are we not part of, you know, source, human? And we're just a piece of... The, we're the bucket, you know, we're the bucket, we're the individual bucket, and, but we belong to that ocean of consciousness, source, um, all of those things. And that was really mind-blowing for me when I thought about it. And I've shared that in conversations um, where people are willing to talk about this stuff. And they look at me and they go, wow. And I go, I know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, God rest his soul, was, he's brilliant because to me that, that spoke volumes that we're really, we are all connected. And the, the other thing, you know, my, my quote at the beginning, the human consciousness is really homogeneous. There's no complete forgetting even in death. Um, you know, you meet people and you feel like you know them. You know, I do believe we we knew from a previous life. So, you know, that whole realm of consciousness, there's there's no linear time. It it yep. just is, right? right? Isn't that part of this concept? So, um, cool stuff. Just really cool stuff. We're we're out of time, but I, I really quick it, it, for I really want you to compel people to read this book because I think it's brilliant, and I think what a wonderful message of unifying the world with a common goal and that's, you know, really for peace and love. That's what we're talking about. So we have no war and all those things. What would be your last word to, to folks listening? 
to think for yourself, to not take things uh, for granted, to question authority. Um, I, I think it's great people buy my book, compare it to Richard Dawkins, compare it to Stephen Hawking's. Think for yourself and, and find your soul's purpose and yeah. be, be the person you can be. I, I think we're all divine creatures that are been in prison in these bodies that are misguided. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I think it can only be, we, we cannot be afraid to be who we can be and who we really are. Yeah. Well it said. Time. It takes time to get there, but I think that's the ultimate goal. Yeah, well well said. And I, I you know, thank you so much for all of this great information and I hope, you know, folks listening on their way to work or on their way home home from work, it just kinda puts you in a frame of reference to say, you know, I do have to question more things and I do have to think for myself and, and we're so programmed by society we need to stop that madness and right. re- really unlearn to relearn what, what I think we should be doing going forward, what, obviously what you're talking about in the book. If you are interested, go to uh, Philip's website. It's www.thecollapseofmaterialism.com. And I assume not only can they get the book through the website, Philip, but they can go to Amazon and all that stuff too, correct? Yes, yes. Awesome. Um, thank you so much again for being on the show. Um, it, just really, this was, um, for me, very stimulating. My, my, my mind stimulated, and you're, you were a joy and a delight to speak with, so thank you so much. Thanks, Connie. Great job. Appreciate it. Yeah, pleasure. A real pleasure. I, I hope you guys will join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that it's easier than we think and it really is possible and use uh, Philip's recommendation of just open your mind, start to look at things and maybe start by reading this book. Thank you so much, everyone. Have a wonderful, inspired week. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may